Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, outreach of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos, along with Chippy the Chipmunk. Oh, my adoring fans. Get ready for a huge dose of reality and a huge dose of common sense. You said it, brother. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Today I want to share something with you that's been actually really weighing upon my heart very, 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 very heavily in many, many ways. As you know, the name of this podcast is Table Flippers, and that's giving reference to Jesus flipping over tables of people doing the wrong things, and religious people doing the wrong things in the wrong place. And uh, so the story that I'm going to tell you today is going to be along those lines in many ways. Not exactly the way Jesus had to deal with it so many years ago, but religious people doing the wrong things at the wrong time and in the wrong way. Before I get started on it, ladies and gentlemen, whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you consider yourself a Christian or not, but especially to all the Christians out there, and even more so to any church leader, whether you be one of the fivefold leaders, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, <clears throat> a deacon, uh, an usher, a groundskeeper, a Sunday school teacher, a worship leader, youth pastor, any of these titles or positions, whether you hold it with an official title or not, you have to understand something, and this is for everybody, but especially for you church leaders. We have certain responsibilities in the body of Christ and to the body of Christ first and foremost, and then to the world. And one of those responsibilities is often overlooked, unfortunately. We know how to quote this scripture, but unfortunately, many just simply don't live by it or learn by it. And that is this, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay, now every Christian knows that. Every Christian claims that. Not only do they claim it in the sense of, see, uh, I know this verse, I can quote it, but I live it. And unfortunately, when you get right down to it, many church leaders don't even do that. And um, it really is heartbreaking. And I'm going to share with you what I'm talking about more specifically, but this can be something, it's very general, but nonetheless can be applied in so many different areas. The body of Christ is sorely out of sync right now. One, let me just start kind of at the bottom. It's out of sync with what's going on in the world, the world situation right now. We're inundated with crime. We're inundated with wickedness. We're inundated with false religions. We're inundated with all kind of wickedness just growing up in the church. And the church is focusing on things that I'm not even going to say aren't important. They're just not important for this moment. So instead of going after the root of where these, of all of these things and dealing with these at a, a first, a church level, and then a cultural societal level, uh, what are we doing? We're just, we're playing around trying to get attention for ourselves and playing silly games. Look at how many notches I have on my belt of people that said the sinner's prayer, even though my church is not growing. Those types of silly things. Or look what I stood up for, even though on the grand scheme of thing, it doesn't really mean a thing. And unfortunately, the the church world has been out of step with even with culture and society. And what I mean is we don't, culture and society doesn't determine who we are as a people. However, we are called to impact and change culture and society. So we're going to have to, we have to, or we should be understanding where culture and society is and keep step with changing culture and society. And unfortunately, 
we are 20 years behind, it seems like, in most things and lagging behind in other things and being influenced more by the world than we are influencing the world in righteousness. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Another area that we just are falling behind in and just not keeping step with is God. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the very person, the very being that we claim to love, to know, to serve. Unfortunately, so many Christians and so many Christian pastors are not in step with God himself and what he wants in the world and what he wants for culture, what he wants for society. I can give you, a, a, let me give you a real brief example. There's, this is one of these things. I'm going to sit down in front of my whiteboard and, and put this out on video so the world could see it. But in the scriptures, the church, you and I, believers, all of us who believe in Jesus, we are um, considered an army of God. As a matter of fact, wherever you see in the scriptures, you know, the Lord of hosts, that's actually a weak uh, definition of that, or weak translation, weak definition of that term and that word host. Is, we often translate it just hosts. What it should be translated is the Lord of the armies of heaven. And even in the New Testament, Paul alludes to this. Well, he, he doesn't really even allude to it. He gets straight to the point that we are to live as soldiers, as warriors, as soldiers, in an army, the army of Christ, the army of God. And, and keeping that in mind, so imagine a military, an army, going into a, a, a foreign land to conquer that foreign land. So you have the front line, you know, let's put it kind of with, the, with our modern military here in the United States. So the Marines might go in first after it's bombed. Okay, let me back up a little bit because I'm actually getting ahead of myself. I'm getting to ground troops. So if you're going to soften, we saw this in World War II when they stormed the beaches of Normandy, when they stormed the beaches, right? Before any ground troops were set in, they bombed it from the air and bombed it um, from the water, from the ocean, with um, battleships shooting in and taking out as many uh, targets as possible so that when the ground troops did get in there, they would face... Um, fewer machine guns and bombs and bullets than otherwise. So airplanes coming in, bombing um, them, shooting bombs, uh, cannons from the uh, battleships and such off the coast, bombing, softening, you know, softening the target, so to speak. And so that when ground troops finally hit the ground and came in, there was less resistance or that's was the hope. So you have this even in the church world. We are supposed to pray, and I don't mean just these weak, wimpy prayers that I hear so many Christians pray. I'm talking about warfare, strategic warfare prayers that bomb whatever you're after. Okay, you know, let, let, let's say the abortion issue. I've been in a lot of prayer meetings that where people have prayed specifically over the abortion issue, and it's something like this. Oh, Father, will you please protect all the unborn children? Will you please make people stop killing their children? This is hard, and we don't want to be mean, Jesus. We don't want to be mean, but this has got to stop. Will you please put a stop to it? And then we wonder why it went on so long at the tune of about 60 million aborted babies here in America. Those kind of prayers don't get anything done. I'm talking about real true warfare where you know your target and you're specifically specifically going in and destroying those targets in prayer. I break the power of abortion. I break the power of Planned 
up, Parenthood, right now. I destroy it now in the name of Jesus. I tear down the demonic wickedness in that place. Those are the types of prayers I'm talking about. Confident, sure, and to the point. So that's what an army does. It knows how to pray first. Then you get boots on the ground, just like our Marines would go in, hit the beaches, and start taking positions so that the rest of the army can then come in and then they could advance and not just take a beach, but they can take a city, a country, all right? Now, then after they take a city, a region, they would set up such things such as hospitals, you know, usually in tents or whatever buildings are left in that city or that place. And they would use them and they would set up hospitals. They would set up, you know, headquarters. They would set up uh, mess halls. They would set up, uh, you know, maybe some places where they can do do a little R&R, but again, it's very rudimentary. It's very, you know, sometimes just tense, depending on what's there, but they set it up. As they continue to advance and they set up more, if you will, villages, towns, headquarters like that in, as they advance, now when they advance far enough beyond the initial headquarters of that place that they took, now they can start building schools, rebuilding the infrastructure, getting the people there, the citizens that might be left there, getting them working again, getting a a somewhat normalcy. And then as time goes on, then prosperity, wealth can start coming into that place and it looks even better or should look better than when before the troops came in. That's the way it typically works. You see, so all of those have implications even as Christians and how we are supposed to move and how we are supposed to function. So when I say we are out of step, we have lost so much ground in America as far as a church, as far as righteousness, holiness, spirituality, that we have to retake ground that we gave up. And why did we give it up? Because we were out of step with God. We should have been fighting a warfare, but we were too busy throwing parties on Sunday in our church clubs and social gatherings. Now, I know a lot of people that may listen to this are completely against the health, and I heard it like this, the health and wealth uh, prosperity teaching, but there is a place for that. When you know how to keep step with God, you know there's a time and a place for that. That's not frontline teaching, granted, Because frontline teaching is all about warfare and survival and taking ground. Frontline warfare, um, when you keep step with God, you understand the Great Commission. You really understand. You go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, that's not always clean. That's sometimes messy. Because you got to do the initial warfare to break through the demonic to get to the hearts of the people before they're even willing to serve this Christ and be discipled into his image. And notice that it doesn't say individuals. What it, so how do we keep, how are we out of step? When churches and Christians try to make converts of individuals instead of disciples of nations. As a matter of fact, I don't know anywhere in the scriptures that tells us to make converts of individuals. We are commanded by the Lord to make disciples of nations. If we are not doing that, if we are not actively working to make disciples of nations, let's bring it right back home, make disciples of this nation, make this nation, the whole, the United States of America, a disciple of Christ, then we are not fulfilling the Great Commission. We are not keeping step 
with the spirit of the living God. So that's warfare stuff. That's frontline stuff. What do you do after a group of people, let's say a whole city comes to the Lord or a majority or a great number of people in a city come to the Lord? Well, now you start setting things up so that you can bring them into a place of normalcy in the word of God, under God's direction, so that their discipleship begins to take shape into a true citizenship of the kingdom. And then as you advance and you progress and more people come in, then you can start establishing things and start teaching them how to be prosperous, how to start businesses, how to be more healthy physically, emotionally, spiritually, and such how to tend to one another, how to care for one another. As a matter of fact, you see this in early church. And these shifts and these changes didn't take long to take place. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls come in. That's frontline kind of stuff. That's warfare kind of stuff. When Peter stepped out and and gave his message that brought those 3,000 in, there was a great warfare going on. They had the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. There was a great warfare coming on because that was the same city, the same place, and many of those same people just got, uh, they were just through crucifying Jesus. So he took a big chance. Peter took a big chance when he stepped out there in that warfare. Is that, okay, are, are you capturing it? I hope you capture it. I wish I had my whiteboard. I can draw it up there and you can get at least an image of it. So Peter knew how to keep step with it. But as they went on, and it wasn't many, you know, like 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. But as they went on and they were still in Jerusalem, the early church still in Jerusalem, it got to the point to where people who had, um, you know, extra land, extra food, extra clothing, whatever it was, they would take those things and either bring those things and lay them at the apostles' feet as an offering to the Lord, and the apostles would distribute them, or they would sell it, such as a piece of land, sell that land and bring the proceeds and lay the monies at the, the feet of the apostles and so that the apostles could then distribute it. The point was, nobody had there was no lack in the early church because everybody took care of everybody. There wasn't laziness either. It wasn't a giant welfare system. It was everybody working to benefit everybody, not just some working to benefit some. It was everybody working to benefit everybody. And that's when the more of the health and wealth and the prosperity, prosperity, prosperity teachings would come in at that time, you know, because that's what the apostles would do. They were about prayer, the teaching of, of the word, the ministry of the word. And they would start teaching what was appropriate for the moment. They were keeping step with God. They were keeping step with the uh, people of God, the church, and how it was expanding and growing. And they were keeping step all at the same time with the culture and society around them. They knew how to balance all of these things. And it worked. Christianity in many ways is shrinking in America. Why? Because we're not in step with anything right now. We're in step with our own lusts and our own desires. We're keeping in step with people's feelings. I don't want to say anything that'll hurt somebody's feelings or something of that nature. And sometimes it's even worse than that. Which brings me to my point. I want to share with you something that happened to me just recently. (coughs) As a matter of fact, I received a very interesting text message on July 4th, celebrating our Independence Day. enjoying the company of some people from our church, having a great day. And this text message comes in to me. And it was, what was interesting, there's 17 people. It was a group text. 17 people in this group text. And 
let's see. One, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven. Seven of them I have in my phone by name, and the other ten I didn't know who they were, although in this conversation one identified themselves, and it was a pastor that I've known and actually done some work with. And the one, two, like I said, seven names otherwise, so there's eight people on here that I've worked with in the past, ministered side by side with, in the past, and some several of them, even in their own churches, and they've ministered in my church. So this isn't a group of people that I just didn't know or have any kind of contact with. These are people that are local. These are people that I had called friend. And I get this interesting text. And it opens up, and the very first thing in this text is a copy of a flyer. Now, before I go on, I'm not going to give any of the names of these people. So don't try to, you know, sit here and figure it out. If some way you figure it out, what, whatever, please. This is not about blasting anybody by name. This I'm after to show a general mentality that's in the church as a whole or large portions of our church. When I say the church, I'm talking about the church world, especially here in America, and showing how, unfortunately, so much of the church today is out of step with God, out of step with culture, and even out of step with the church as a whole. Okay, It says... In this flyer, unity against police brutality, a sheriff accountability protest. So they're inviting me to a protest. Now, remember, this is July 4th. I'm eating hamburgers, hot dogs, chips, watermelon. I'm laughing with our friends. We're talking. We're getting ready to go to the rodeo, watch some bull riding, and then also go to, uh, they're going to show some fireworks afterwards. It's just a whole day plan of chilling, relaxing, and thanking God for the nation that we live in. So I get this. And the protest was for the very next day, July 5th. And they were asking for, they're demanding, this protest is for uh, demanding the termination of an involved officer, which I will talk about in just a moment, the removal of captain of the local sheriff's department, and adjustments in the local supermarket where this instant uh, took place. And I will share all that with you in a minute. Um, but other than the names of the um, captain and the supermarket, I knew nothing. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, and the, I'm sorry. There's three pictures attached with this. One picture is of a, a woman holding a cell phone. That's all it is. Just a woman holding a cell phone like she's video or something. And then that same woman being grabbed by a sheriff deputy. And it's, it's a still shot. So it just looks like they're in a movement. And then the third, she's on the ground and he's um, trying to handcuff her. Okay. So that's all I know about this. And then uh, right after that comes in that uh, flyer. It says one of the and these are all pastors, by the way. I assume they're all pastors. At least the people that I know in here are pastor, local pastors of church, church leaders. And that's important to understand as I walk you through this. It says, hello all. Hopefully everyone will make this event. The footage is circling nationally on social media. It's deplorable what occurred. And I ask, this is me asking, who put this together? Because I don't even know who this person is at the time because all it shows is a phone number and this was not a phone number that I've had in my phone attached to a name. So I'm wondering who put this together. And I did, again, I, I recognize seven names in this. And the person writes back, those on the flyer. Okay, what happened that caused this? So I'm just asking a question. What happened to cause this? And this is what he writes. Unfortunately, and to my ignorance, I don't have this number saved. That's asking the question. 
so that I might better address, could you identify yourself? Thank you so much. And he gives his name. And then I recognize, oh, this is another pastor. I said, this is Apostle Robinus. So, you know, this is me. I'm just asking what's going on and why. Wonderful. Thank you, sir. An elderly African-American woman was body slammed to the ground by a sheriff for lawfully and legally videotaping. It's circling the news and social media. Now, that's what this gentleman writes back. Now, keep that in mind. He writes, he writes that she was body slammed to the ground by a sheriff for lawfully and legally videotaping. It's circling the news and social media. So I write back, has that been confirmed? Or is there more to the story? It's confirmed. I said, um, so before he wrote back, it's confirmed. I quickly found an article, a news article about this. Because I did not hear about this. He said it was circling everywhere in social media. I never saw any video. I never heard anything about it. And the supermarket literally is about... Um, a mile from my house. It's in my neighborhood. So I could literally walk there in just a few minutes. And I thought it was odd that I didn't hear anything about this. So I go on a uh, on the internet, find a news article, and I just, I didn't read it word for word. I just brushed over to get a better idea of what was going on here because I thought that was strange. Not that, not that, you know, our police, our sheriff's deputies are perfect. They make a lot of mistakes. Some of them are just jerks. We know that. There's bad apples everywhere. But some of them get also get caught in the crossfires, you know, um, doing their job and somebody doesn't like it. So I always like to make sure before I, I do anything, post anything like that, I want to make sure that what is what's happening is really what's happening or what people are telling me is happening. So remember, he writes that the sheriff just slammed this woman on the ground for lawfully and legally videotaping. So I um, asked again if it was confirmed. It is confirmed, he said. So I wrote again, This the deputy was there to apprehend shoplifters. Was she one of the shoplifters or was she a bystander? Okay, because in the article, um, the article stated how a man and a woman was in this local supermarket shoplifting the security, they call a they called it somebody else, but security um, questioned them and, and, and went over there and, and, you know, was talking to them and telling them, hey, basically stop shoplifting, you know, get out. And according to the story, the woman got belligerent, spit on him, um, threatened him, took a swipe at him. And then the police were called, the local sheriff department was called after all of this mess. Okay. And then outside when the, when the um, sheriff department, the deputies get there, they didn't have any backup. They were so busy. There was they were so busy with the uh, all the other deputies were so busy they couldn't come and help. So they handcuffed the gentleman who, without incident, was handcuffed, and his partner in crime, ladies and gentlemen, was standing there videotaping. That's the picture. That's the elderly black woman who was standing there videotaping it. And when it was her turn, the officer walked over there and told her, you know, hey, stop videotaping. You know, put your hand behind your back. Whatever they said, whatever they do, you know. And she refused. She cussed at him and uh, refused. And then the story, as the story goes, and there was some video, and I watched the video from the body cam from both officers. I watched the video from somebody uh, videotaping in the car, in a car that was really parked really close. And, and um, you know, I'm not going to lie. It looks really rough. But he did give her command. He did tell her, put your hands behind your head. You know, he did say you're going to be detained. All of that. And she refused. So, here she is fighting against the officer, and whether or not he should have slammed her was um, 
you know, I guess a judgment call on his part. I thought, to be quite frank with you, that yes, it was excessively rough. He could have done that with her. I don't think he would have had too much of a problem physically apprehending her without slamming her on the ground. But even then, I didn't know all the details. Okay, so he slams her to the ground and handcuffs her. And, and that, ladies and gentlemen, what was interesting about that, that took all took place on June 24th of this year, June 24th. And so I'm getting this um, message on July 4th about the protest the very next day on the 5th. So the protest was only 11 days after the incident. And I thought this was really strange when I'm starting to put all this together. I'm like, nobody's even had time to really process this whole thing, let alone a bunch of pastors getting this second and third and fourth, you know, uh, information. Nobody's been able to process this. Nobody's been able to really walk this through you know, looking at the videos and all that, and come to find out that even Sheriff, our new Sheriff, Luna, he, he was quoted as saying, yeah, I looked at all the video, I looked at everything, we're processing it, we're doing an investigation, and he even admitted that it was pretty rough. Um, I don't know if those were his exact words, but you know, it was, it was um, pretty rough. And I, I was thinking, why are they jumping on this so fast? Again, ladies and gentlemen, keeping step, keeping step with not just only the heart of God, because they'll claim that they're doing that, but keeping step with the culture and keeping step with the people of God. And when you do it correctly and you do it right, you go in there with more information. So let me continue reading some of this. So uh, again, I, I wrote back um, after he said it's confirmed. I said, well, the deputy was there to apprehend shoplifters. Was she one of the shoplifters? Because at that point, I didn't know whether she was a shoplifter or not. Or was she a bystander? Because I'm thinking if she was an actual bystander, then yes, this is horrible. To just slam a bystander for videotaping? Um, somebody else wrote, again, I don't have any name on this, just a phone number, I won't give it. I'll be there. And then the same gentleman that I had been conversing with originally says, Pastor Enos, you sound aware of the situation. If you like to attend in support of an American citizen's right being violated, wonderful. If not... Wonderful. However, I won't be interrogated by someone playing ignorant, yet is well-informed. <laughs> Enjoy your fourth, everyone. I, 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 I looked at that for a moment. I said, did he really just write that? The, I'm not informed. I wasn't informed, I should say, at that point at all. I breezed through an article. And isn't it interesting that maybe spending less than five minutes just skimming through an article made me more informed than a pastor calling for a protest against someone or something. I was more informed than this pastor. And because I was simply asking questions to try to get a grip on this, he said I was interrogating him. Now again, this is, shows that many in our church pulpits, because he represents many, are not in line and cannot keep step with God, cannot keep step with the rest of the body of Christ, especially his peers, and cannot keep step with the overall culture because this affects all of that. And I will share with you why as I go through this. So I wrote back, wow, I knew nothing about this until this text came in. I want to know more about this before I commit to ruining someone's life. And that's what it was boiling down to because they were after this guy's head. Oh, I'm sorry. They were after this guy's job. I don't want to make it bigger than it is. They, they wanted him fired. They wanted this deputy removed. And the captain, I don't know why they picking him. What did he have to do with it? But the captain removed and sent somewhere else. <clears throat> so he writes back, same guy. 
Wonderful. The information I gave you is most important. You have the information we have. Mind you, in my response, I mentioned nothing about shoplifting. You did. I don't know what that has to do anything. I mentioned shoplifting because that's what the article from a major news source said. <laughs> that's what the article from a news source said. I, I wasn't even claiming she did that. I was saying what the news source said. But do you see how, again, let's go protest and get this guy fired. Why? Don't interrogate me. Let's just go protest. Am I missing something here, ladies and gentlemen? <clears throat> and then somebody else. And now this is somebody that I know by name and I've done work with him. I've, I've preached in his church. We've ministered together. We've done things together in the past. He writes, at Robert Enos, the woman was accused of shoplifting and resisting arrest. Charges dropped. As clergy, we have a responsibility to stand with those who are abused and unfairly treated by those in position of power. Will you be in support of demanding the arrest of this officer? Spoke to Sheriff Luna personally. That's what he wrote. So I wrote back, as clergy, we are responsible for truth and righteousness first. He's trying to make a point that we need to get down to the truth to figure this out because, well, at least he admitted that she was accused of shoplifting, resisting arrest, okay? So there was a shoplifting charge. And it, whether it was dropped or not, I mean, it's relevant to her life and it's relevant to the overall long term, but to this message... On July 4th, it's irrelevant because just because they dropped the charges, there had to be charges made to drop, all right? So when they showed up, they weren't just body slamming an innocent bystander just standing there filming her wonderful day. They were body slamming a criminal because that's what happens when you shoplift and resist arrest. It makes you a criminal. So I wrote, as clergy is responsible for, uh, we are responsible for truth and righteousness first. If this deputy did something wrong, he deserves to be punished. But I've been around long enough to know things aren't always what they seem and people are not always who they portray themselves to be. Another pastor. Uh, now, this is the third pastor. Are you guys aware of this type of response? I don't really fully understand what he was trying to say, but he says, are you guys aware of this type of response? And another pastor says, the real question isn't that she broke the law or didn't, but did she deserve to be body slammed to the ground? Wait a minute. The question, the original question is, and should be, did she break the law? And then we can walk it out from there. What was going on? Did and you have to see because that determines on whether or not this sheriff deputy actually did what he was supposed to do, should have done what he did or not. Because if she absolutely did not break the law, if she was just an innocent bystander, the way the first pastor tried to make her look, then I agree this this deputy is should be in trouble, major trouble for body slamming somebody just standing there. But when you really get down to it, she was a criminal. Now, please don't misunderstand me. When I looked at the video, I thought, yeah, he, he could have been a little bit uh, less harsh with her. But if she was really resisting arrest, which you see it and you hear it in her voice on the video, on several videos, and really that did go on inside Winco, which <clears throat> now it's come out that Winco does have cameras. The whole thing was on film. And, it, and she did do all those things to the security guard inside. So again, this was a criminal. So my, my thing is, okay, if you're going to go after the deputy for his part in it, all right, let's say, let's say he, he, he did a bad job. He should be fired. Let's, just for argument's sake, let's go there. Then why should this woman who started the whole thing, why should she get off? Why should she get off? So I'm not, I'm not done, ladies and gentlemen, because, oh, some other things come from this. And then uh, after, uh, if she was an elderly, oh, oh, oh here's, a, here's a good one, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a good one. Check this out. So 
again, this other pastor writes this. The real question isn't that she broke the law or didn't. Well, yeah, it kind of is. But did she deserve to be body slammed to the ground? Did she have a weapon? If she was an elderly white woman, would we need to be meeting about this? Now, 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 this is the heartbreaking thing for me beyond the obvious, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you why this is so heartbreaking. Because I, I think the assumption here is that if this was an elderly white woman, that I would be automatically down there yelling and screaming or whatever, that it wouldn't be an issue with me. Ladies and gentlemen, I did not bring bring race into this at all, at all. Whoever this pastor is, and it's a number that I do not recognize, but whoever this pastor is brought race into it. So I'm just going to call a spade a spade, an ace an ace, uh, you know, whatever. Whoever this gentleman is, I will not read you the phone number because I don't want anybody calling him. He might listen to this. He might get it. It might be passed to him. But that's the real racist. This one man or woman, not sure who it is, but this one brought race into the situation. This is the racist. And yet they're trying to paint me the racist. This is racism, ladies and gentlemen, because to me, race had nothing to do with it at all. But let me go on. So the other pastor who said, are you guys aware of this type of response? Which I'm like scratching my head going, I don't even know what that means. He wrote, after this pastor brings race into it, he says that part. So now there's two pastors at least focusing on race. And I assume in an attempt to paint me as the racist because I'm not quick to go run down there and protest and ruin somebody's life over something we still don't fully understand what took place, why it took place, and how it took place. Somebody asked to be deleted from the conversation. Great. And then, again, one of the pastors that I said that I know him by name, I know him personally, I've worked with him, he writes, truth! I assume of what, when the person brought race into it, and then another pastor confirmed it with that part, I assume when this other pastor says truth he's speaking to that if so that's now three racist pastors focusing more on race and trying to paint me the racist and by the way the the, the man that wrote truth i'll just I, i'll be honest with you here because again i'm not naming names has admitted to me and others on my pastoral staff that he struggles with racism to which i would say no sir you do not struggle with racism because a struggle would mean that you are trying to fight to get rid of it not jump in with both feet so there's no struggling at all you're there (sighs) here's another one i'm just reading this not everything in there is negative bad whatever but anyways another pastor that i know by name writes be that as it may but does an elderly woman cause such a threat that she has to be body slammed by a man deputy or not but even more so by someone who has sworn to protect and serve. So this guy is the only guy. And if you if you listen to this and you recognize this, um, Pastor, I just want to tell you, you're the only one so far in this thread, so far, that has made any sense. Well, besides myself, of course, ladies and gentlemen, because this is my podcast. So, of course, I make sense on my podcast. But made any sense. That brought any clarity into this conversation. Didn't focus on... on uh, Ethnicity didn't focus on race at all, but brought truth and clarity, which I totally agree with him, 100%. But at this point, even after reading this, I'm still at that place where I'm still going, but we still need to get all the facts. I'm still not willing to go out and protest and and commit to protest and destroy somebody's life until I know exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing that. And I already admitted, and I've admitted the whole time, those videos didn't look good for him. 
the deputy. It did look like he manhandled her a little bit too much. But nonetheless, nobody knew really what was going on. As I was just reading, you can see one person knew it. Another person didn't know it. One person didn't care. It's just like, God, this is strange. So, um, Pastor, um, and again, if you hear this and you, I'll read that again so everybody can hear this. I want to say I totally agree with you. You're the only one in this group so far that had any kind of real common sense. But but that, be that as it may, but does an elderly woman cause such a threat that she has to be body slammed by a man, deputy or not, but even more so by someone who has sworn to protect and serve? You, sir, you, pastor, brought in some wisdom and common sense and clarity that the others lacked. And I totally agree with the questions and the point that you made. Now, let me go on. This is what I wrote after that. I said, for me, color has nothing to do with it. It's about truth. I would still want to know the details regardless of the color of skin. And for the record, I never brought race into the conversation. Conversation. Just saying. I got ahead of my reading there. So let me read that last portion again. And for the record, I never brought race into the conversation. Just saying. So that all happened, like I said, July um, 4th. That was the text that I had received or the text message, you know, and discussion. And granted, it did uh, get a little heated in some part because mainly because I just couldn't even believe the nonsense of being accused or, you know, in that slight, sly kind of way of being a racist. And all I was looking for was some information and being told that I'm interrogating. Yeah, I will not be interrogated by you. Well, number one, what makes you so special that I can't ask a question when I'm asked to come and destroy somebody's life? I mean, you know, that that to me was the most absurd, silly, just quite stupid. But again, that's what happens when we're not in step with God, we're not in step with the body of Christ, and we're not in step with the culture around us. I'm not saying compromising to the culture, but if you're honest and you, you think about this honestly, we've seen this type of thing in the culture where people go out and protest and do marches and such and make speeches against something they know so little about. That's what the world does, ladies and gentlemen, but that's not what we in the church are supposed to be doing. Let me give you an example just from my own life and one of the protests just recently, uh, maybe a few months ago, was it May, June? I don't know. I think it was in June. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it was June because it was the Pride Month, right? So the um, I was part of a protest in front of a, a fire department, fi- firehouse, you know, um, what do they call them? Yeah, fire department, I guess. And we were asked to go down there and protest and stand with one of the firefighters. Okay, one of the fire, and one of my episodes, I talked about this, but one of the firefighters, they were ordered, as a matter of fact, to fly the um, LGBT pride flag, okay, just below the American flag. And one of the firefighters says, no, because that does not represent me and it doesn't represent most firefighters. So I, he said, I'm going to, he went out and took it down and he got reprimanded. He got in trouble. He was sent home and everything. So what we did is we went down there and protested in support of this uh, firefighter and in in support of having that flag removed, okay? We knew exactly what we were doing. We knew exactly why we were doing it. Nobody's, we weren't after somebody's job. We we knew exactly what happened, why it happened. We spoke firsthand to the people, even the firefighter, and we agreed this is something that the community needs to come together and support this guy. You know, oddly enough, none of the pastors was in that texting feed 
was there. That's interesting that a bunch of Christian pastors wouldn't, wouldn't come out and protest the flying of the LGBT flag on a county building that they even pay taxes for. And to a point, whatever is flown at that building represents us all because we pay taxes. We own that. It's a community building. It's a community fire station. They actually, the employees inside that building work for us. And none of those pastors came down there. Interesting, isn't it? But they were so willing to destroy a man's life and admittedly, admittedly didn't even understand what the, the fullness of why they were doing this. And one pastor there, again, in that feed, and again, I applaud you, pastor. I don't want to say your name on the air because I didn't get your permission. But if you're listening, I applaud you because you, out of all the rest, were the only one that had a semblance of common sense. So now I want to read something else to you. I know I've been doing a little bit of reading here, but I want to read something else to you because this was a letter put out. Actually, let me just read the, even what it says. An open letter to the citizens of the Antelope Valley and the City Council of Lancaster. So this is an open letter, and it was written by one of the sheriff deputies from the Lancaster station, all right? And he writes this. Recent events have compelled me to write this letter. I am a deputy who works at Lancaster Sheriff Station. I want you to know a little bit about us and the work we do every day. First, a few facts about the communities we proudly serve. The deputies of Lancaster Station not only patrol the city of Lancaster, but also serve the communities of Lake Los Angeles, High Vista, Roosevelt, Quartz Hill, Antelope Antelope Acres, and Fairmont as well. The city of Lancaster has a population of approximately 172,000 people. The surrounding towns and unincorporated areas of Los Angeles County in our patrol area are home to almost 28,000 more residents, totaling near 200,000 people that we serve. The city of Lancaster comprises almost 95 square miles itself, but the entire patrol area we are responsible is over 600 square miles. To put this in perspective, Lancaster Station patrols an area that is one half the size of the entire state of Rhode Island. With those facts and perspective about the vast population and territory we serve, I will tell you how many deputies are currently staffed at Lancaster Station to accomplish this. 157. That number includes 25 detectives, 15 school resource deputies, 8 special assignment deputies, and 10 deputies assigned to other day-to-day desk assignments at the station. This just leaves 99 deputies whose primary function is to patrol the entirety of our patrol area, split between three shifts, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Additionally, we find ourselves further short-staffed due to injuries, illnesses, and other types of leave. Every day, we handle 300 to 500 calls for service on average, ranging from thefts, domestic violence, assaults, robberies, and murderers. Every day, each of our three shifts runs with a shortage of 10 to 15 deputies on average to our daily patrol rosters. The shortages are filled with overtime or they are just not filled at all. Deputies are routinely ordered to work mandatory overtime, either in the form of double shifts or made to come in on their days off to fill vacancies. Some shifts are almost entirely comprised of people working overtime. Deputies at our station work to exhaustion and still keep up with the volume of calls. We constantly struggle to balance the added workload, the compulsory 
time away from family and the desire to not leave our partners without backup. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department is short-staffed as a whole and few deputies want to transfer to Lancaster. The large population and patrol area have made Lancaster Station the busiest sheriff's station in Los Angeles County. This makes the station less desirable to work at as deputies can work at other stations with less stress and less workload, but for the same pay. The deputies that work Lancaster Station are proud of the work we do. A great many of us live and or grew up in the Antelope Valley. This isn't just a place to go. Uh, we go to work. This is our home. Home and all that goes with it has made us willing to endure the long hours. It gives us the courage to face violent criminals without enough backup. And there are a lot of violent criminals in our community now. Just look at the crime statistics for Lancaster Station in 2022. 13 murders, 83 rapes, 335 robberies, 2,550 assaults, 756 burglaries, 1,322 thefts, 1,064 vehicle theft, and 2023 is on track to outpace last year's statistics. As of the first week of July 23, we have had 13, or 18 murders. Now remember, ladies and gentlemen, there were 13 murders in all of 2022. We're not even through the year and we're already five murders ahead of last year. Let me go on. We're at 30 rapes, 210 robberies, 1,393 assaults, 411 burglaries, 591 thefts, and 716 vehicle thefts. The reality is law enforcement as a profession across the nation has seen a sharp decline, but I will dis address the specific causes to Los Angeles County and Lancaster in particular. The media has sensationalized a small number of negative and violent encounters in recent years with suggested racial overtones in their headlines. Yep. And you know what's funny? The media keeps dangling that hook and the fish keep biting. But let me go on. Politicians in Sacramento, far removed from the concerns of our constituents, have all but decriminalized drug possession and property crime by reducing charges, le uh, charge levels and sentencing guidelines. L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon shows no regard for crime victims and routinely gives minimum sentences to even violent criminals that appear in court. <clears throat> In May 2023, Superior Court Judge Lawrence Riff issued an injunction instituting a zero-bail policy for nonviolent misdemeanor and felony crimes within L.A. County. This injunction favoring criminals was obviously not challenged by Gascon, but shockingly, the rule was not challenged by Sheriff Luna nor by LAPD Chief Moore, even though the injunction has created a revolving door for all but the most violent criminals in Los Angeles County. All of these things have emboldened repeat offenders as they no longer face serious consequences to their actions. Those facts alone are not the only factors creating the losses of those once willing to protect and serve. Deputies have become those um, increasingly hesitant to perform their sworn duty because our own department has become openly hostile towards those willing to do proactive police work. It is a reality that actively looking for and confronting criminals is liable to result in violence and fighting just doesn't look pretty on camera. Rapidly evolving tense situations and legal standings to defend ourselves against aggression and violent suspects have taken a backseat to swift and severe discipline whenever a 
vocal few complain in front of the camera about a deputy using force to overcome the violent actions of a suspect who fights to avoid being handcuffed and arrested. Let me read that last portion to you again. Now, again, this is one of our sheriff deputies out here writing this. Rapidly evolving, tense situations and legal standing to defend ourselves against aggressive and violent suspects have taken a back seat to swift and severe discipline whenever a vocal few complain in front of a camera about a deputy using force to overcome the violent actions of a suspect who fights to avoid being handcuffed and arrested. To this point, I am addressing the rest of two robbery suspects on June 24th at Winco in Lancaster. Two deputies responded to what was dispatched as an emergency call of store employees being assaulted by robbery suspects. All other units were tied up on other emergency situations and were unable to provide any assistance to them. One suspect in particular refused to comply when when orders given by the deputies and force was used prior to her being handcuffed. Handcuffed are preferred and most frequently used items on a deputy's belt. All the other items on the belt are tools to overcome the violent actions of a suspect. Violence is always the choice of the suspect, of those who decide to fight rather than deal with the legal consequences of criminal actions. The two deputies in this case were no longer will no longer be patrolling the streets of Lancaster. Let me read that again. The two deputies in this case, two of them, two of them, will no longer be patrolling the streets of Lancaster or the surrounding communities for the foreseeable future. Two less deputies when the station was already short-staffed. Keep in mind the deputies are equipped with body cameras that captured the entire incident. Our supervisors reviewed the body camera footage as well as store security footage, and their actions were found to be objectively reasonable within the scope of their duties to make the arrests. But now they are being disciplined, all because a third party recorded a small portion of the whole encounter, which went viral, and department supervisors sitting in Los Angeles reacted badly rather than let the facts of the case shape their knee-jerk reactions. A recording which is able to be edited by media outlets for maximum ratings. One of those deputies has a six years on, um, on the department. He has written 2,155 reports and made 601 arrests in his time at Lan- Lancaster Station, including 111 felony arrests, 82 for violent crimes, 133 DUI arrests, likely preventing more deaths in a city plagued by fatal traffic collisions. The other deputy has three years on the department and has been at Lancaster Station for over a year. In that time, he has written 683 reports and made 163 arrests, including 71 felony arrests and 54 violent crimes. Deputies see the removal of hardworking personnel as nothing less than a lack of faith and ability to perform our duty and a betrayal from the sheriff and his command staff overseeing the Antelope Valley. Deputies are no longer actively looking for criminal activity and are hesitant to respond to emergency calls without several units back up to accompany them. Emergency calls are seeing a longer response time now when our own department supports a vocal few touting a viral video rather than support the people it has trained to handle criminal suspects in exactly this manner. When the department itself poses the greatest risk to our means, 
to provide our families, or worse, treating us like the very criminals we try to apprehend, that is more disheartening than the thought of dying in the line of duty. The purpose for this letter is not to fill our community with the notion that its sworn defenders have abandoned it. It's just that vocal few have gotten our department to take a more aggressive stance toward its own deputies. Deputies willing to serve in an ever-increasingly hostile environment. If our department is willing to sacrifice us to appease a few, I hope they will listen more if the, if the usually quiet majority who support and appreciate the work we do raise their voices in support more. We deputies see you. Everyone who waves to us, everyone who thanks us for our service, everyone who we have had the ability to help, everyone who stands us or sends us cards, everyone who prays for us when one of us gets hurt or killed. We need you now more than ever. Please show us that support again. Let us know we are still appreciated. Let our department know. Please go online. Call Lancaster Station. Um, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put all the numbers here. So I'm not going to read them right now, but I'll put the numbers in the description of this particular episode so you can call. I don't care where in the world you are, call. I don't care where in the United States you are, call, write, write them emails and such. Anyways, he finishes this up with, um, please make your voices heard. Your strength and your faith can help us regain ours. We need each other now more than ever. We still believe in you. Otherwise, we never risk our lives for this job. We so dearly hope that you still believe in us too. We'll fight for our community all the more if you believe in us. Thank you for taking the time to read this and God bless. And he writes, just a deputy. <laughs> now, I thought this was profound when I read this because ladies and gentlemen, I went on a, um, uh, what do they call it? Ride along, they call it ride along, ride along program. And I suggest any of you do that in your city, wherever you're at, go on a ride along pro- program with some of your local police department. And I purposely took the worst shift uh, in Lancaster because I wanted to get full force of what these guys have to deal with. And I was absolutely amazed. I was blown away by their professionalism. These guys, when I stepped in and I took Friday night, four to midnight, and they tell me that's the worst time in, in Lancaster, Friday night between four and midnight, probably closer to between 10 and midnight. And anyways, when I stepped in, now they have this computer and this computer screen has... I don't know, dozens of calls that they have to just kind of weed through there and go. There was three pages, three pages. And I said, wow, do you guys really have this many? He goes, oh, this is actually a slow night for a Friday night. I said, well, do you think you're going to be able to get through all of these? He says, no, not at all. I said, so how do you do it? Do you just start at the top and go to the bottom? He goes, no. I scroll through all of them and I highlight the ones that are the most important that we have to get on right now. And then we go and we start going through the rest and we're taking other calls over the radio as we're trying to get through this. I said, so is every squad car like this? Every car, every... He says, yeah, every one of us is like this. I I, I couldn't believe it, ladies and gentlemen. And then what they have to put up with. I was witness to this. I was in the car with them. I was right there next to them. I heard the way the citizens of our city treated our our deputies. I was, I walked away. I was absolutely embarrassed by, I'm not going to say everybody because there's a lot of good people in this city, but I was absolutely embarrassed rolling up on a situation that a cop should never even been called for and then trying to work it out and being called names being cursed at, wanting, I want your badge number, just because they weren't getting what they wanted, when they wanted, and how they wanted it. And before anybody says, oh, he's just being racist, it had nothing to do with race, because this was all different 
uh, races across the board. It was embarrassing on so many levels that that th- these are people that I share my community with. And I I, I told at the end of the night, I, I looked at this young deputy. He was a young guy, much younger than I was. I says, I don't know how you guys do this. I really honestly do not know how you do this. You kept your cool. You were professional. You did everything you could possibly do to not get into any kind of skirmish with anybody, even though even one of them was was such a bad call. I, I, I guess I could talk a little bit about it. But there was a call that came in that there was a, um, a, a drug dealer and keeping somebody hostage. And so we had to roll up and treat it like that. Thank God it turned out to be a, a, it was a false call because somebody just got mad at the other person in the house. And, but they had to treat it like that because they didn't know. They didn't know. And at the end of the night, everybody was just on edge and everything because here they're thrust into this, what could have been a, a very potentially deadly situation, all because somebody, somebody was upset at one of the occupants in this home. So puts in a fake call of a hostage situation, kidnapping, drugs, all of this stuff. Oh, and they got weapons in there. So yeah, yeah, go in there, guns a-blazing. Thank God our sheriff's deputies acted with such great professionalism and kept their cool, kept their emotions under wrap. Nobody got hurt. It all got worked out, at least on that end. I was so proud of them. So that's why this whole thing bugs me, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So let me pick up the conversation in the text message because I was just going to drop it and leave it, of course. But then I get this letter sent to me and I read it. And so my first thing is, okay, these pastors need to understand this. So I copied it and pasted it in the... the, um, Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up a little bit. So after they went down there and protested. Yes, at least I know I'm aware of. One deputy was fired. The captain was removed. And pretty much this, you know, it was funny. This was all on Facebook and another group put put the video out there and everything. And I was reading through some of the comments. And this is, I didn't put this. Somebody else put this. Another Facebook member put wrote this about the group of pastors that was there protesting. He just called them a bunch of attention whores. And then this this um <clears throat> this uh um sheriff deputy just talks about how you know this little group comes out there because there's a camera and they start saying all this and doing all this because there's a camera well that was kind of confirmation that it's really more about the attention so after this guy gets fired it was announced that he gets fired and such one of the pastors in this in this texting writes just so you all know that the captain has been removed and the deputy has been fired this comes from the hard work, all of us who demand change. So the hard work of getting in front of a camera, giving a silly speech, and demanding that somebody's life be ruined. Not the hard work of deputies stopping crime and ending a, if you will, a shopping spree of shoplifters in the local Winco. Then another pastor writes, amen. Another writes, praise God. Another one, yes, sir, God is good. So they're kind of high-fiving one another over destroying somebody's life and calling it, their hard work. Unbelievable. So before, and then I've, then after that, when I, when this letter was sent to me, written from this deputy, I wanted these pastors to be able to read it, see for themselves. So I put it in this thread. They were able to read it, you know? And so one of the pastors, again, the guy that I did work with, pa- preached at his church, ministered shoulder to shoulder with, writes, only good cops are appreciated. Bad ones will go. And he's the judge. 
that decides what's a good cop and what's a bad cop. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the video of somebody else standing there that was clearly altered because I thought that even when I was watching it, wait a minute, why did it just skip like that? Why did it just jump like that? This thing's been altered. Anyways, then the first guy that got this whole thing rolling writes, wish there was a letter from a concerned deputy when their fellow deputy broke the law against the elder black woman (laughs) for all the times black and brown people have been unjustly pulled over in their vehicles or experienced excessive use force at the hands of one of their deputies. Nobody hates them. People just wanted to be treated fairly by them across the board. Now, I mean, I can pick this apart, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to point out the obvious. Race was brought into this. Once again, there was no racial component to the issue that happened at Winco. Okay, nobody, nobody's even mentioned that, suggested that, except for these pastors here. So these pastors are driving racial, uh, you know, racist wedges between people groups here in our hometown over something that had nothing to do with race. They bring it up. They keep bringing it up. They keep pushing it. Not me, not anybody else, just them. And he signs it, just a black man, mocking the letter that this sheriff deputy, just a sheriff deputy writes. Then again, the guy that I worked with before writes, isn't it funny how the perpetrator always blames the victim? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Number one, I don't think anybody blamed anybody in that sense. The cops were called, found criminals, engaging in criminal activity, and treated them like criminals, especially when they were resisting arrest. I already stated, from my point of view, from what I saw, what I understand, he could have been a little bit softer with this elderly woman, but she was a criminal. They keep forgetting, these pastors keep forgetting, she was engaged in criminal activity, even though they admitted it. They even admitted it, but they just keep pushing that aside. Treat the criminals kindly. Another one. Same first. I'm not even understanding. Now, now here's, check this out. This is why I wanted to do this because I wanted to share with you the mentality. So the first guy that got the whole thing going that says I was interrogating him writes this. I'm not even understanding why he's on this thread of minority faith leaders yet completely not compassionate or sensitive to us as believers. It's nonsensical and wrong. The truth is out, and after our discussion, he's been nothing but crickets. Nothing but crickets. Uh, What do they want me to do? High-five them again for getting this guy fired and supporting the criminal? Huh, interesting. Yet has the nerve to put that on here. I guess that letter. What an insult. So Posting on here another perspective so that they can walk away from this with the full view is now insulting to them. Interesting. The pastor that I've done work with, been in his church, preaching his pulpit, answers him and says, he is only on here to expose him and others like him. We will have a new thread. Those of you that would like to have dialogue and figure our ways that we are, we as clergy can continue and improve our efforts to create a safe place for our people. Interesting. Text me directly. I will start a new thread. This is Pastor, and he names his name. So I write, I assume you are speaking of me directly. This is Apostle Robert Enos. I wanted to get this. So again, the guy I used to call friend and work with writes, yes, sir. So I wrote, very sad. Well, you all know where to find me, and I dropped it. Of course, they just can't drop things. But the first guy again says, when I said what I said, I was responding to whomever out, whomever out that post in their group. I think he, he mistyped something, but whoever put out that post in the group, if it's Robert Enos or Paul and Silas, that's who I was referring to. And he names his name. End of text. End of story. You see, ladies and gentlemen, 
I have huge problems with this on many reasons, on many levels. Let me start again very briefly. Um, <clears throat> from what I could see, from just what I can see, and again, what I saw initially initially was the video of somebody filming from a car that clearly was, was doctored in some way. But nonetheless, it looked like the deputy manhandled this woman and probably slammed her, in, in my opinion, harder than she should have. Okay, and that's, again, that's what I saw before I realized the whole picture, before I saw the um, the uh, uh, cameras from, you know, their body cams. And I still, me, I, I'm not privy to this, but I never saw what happened in the store. But, but it's been verified from those videos that these two people were actually shoplifting, spit on the security guard, um, cursed at him was getting violent and belligerent inside the store before they encountered the deputies on the outside, okay? So there is a history here. There's things breaking down. There's things moving forward. These are criminals, criminals. And I hate to say it like this because she was an elderly woman, but nonetheless, still violent, violent criminals. I have a real problem with people supporting violent criminals more, more than our sheriff deputies who are removing these violent criminals from our midst, from our stores, from our streets, and then calling themselves pastors and not even understanding everything that happened, why it happened, where it happened, when it happened, but they're just going to go protest and get this guy fired, and which they did. Now, should he have been fired or shouldn't he have been fired? I Honestly, I wouldn't have been too happy if I was his boss seeing what I saw, but just seeing what I saw, I'll be honest with you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to be honest with you, just seeing what I saw and understanding what I now know, which, and then all of them who've done the investigation, truly done the investigations. I'm not talking about just in the sheriff's department. I'm talking about anybody that truly done a deeper investigation is privy to more information than I am. Did he operate within the law, the duties of his position as a sheriff deputy? I think so, but I'm not privy to that. So whether or not he should have been fired, that's for his bosses to figure it out. And should... Pastors go down and protest. Well, yeah, I, I never want to take that right away from anybody. But protest in such a way that ruins a man's life, weakens our local police force, our sheriffs, and they're being able to do their job, drives a wedge in the community, several wedges, because now wedges are, are driven between clergy, pastors in this region, races in this region. A further wedge is driven between the citizens and the sheriff's deputies who are supposed to protect those, all because these people wanted to get in front of a camera and let their voices be heard. And again, all this took place in a mere 11 days. Now, I am for swift justice. I am for swift justice, ladies and gentlemen. Things don't need to drag on any longer than they need to. But not so swift that you go out there on a protest to get somebody fired and you don't even know, have all the information yet. That was foolish. So now all these wedges are driven in there. Racism. Racism on all their parts in this thread. Everybody that I read. Racism on their part coming from them is on the rise once again. Again, when it didn't have to be. And now... I'm assuming, I'm just assuming by the what that one pastor wrote, I was the only white guy in the thread. They want to get rid of me, the only white guy, because I was just asking questions and bringing in more information. And to them, not once did I ever say he should or should not be fired. Because I was just saying, let's get all the information. And they try to paint me, the racist, for wanting information. And, and well, ladies and gentlemen, you can... 
hear and feel my frustration. You can hear it at least. I am, I am, I am tired of this. I am done with this. Will I ever work with them again? Probably not. Even if they apologized and repented, I probably smile and say, I accept your apology. But until you prove to me, until you prove to me that that will never, ever, ever, ever take place again, I will never work with them again. I will never work with them again. They have driven such a tight wedge even further between us. It's disgusting. Instead of trying to bring healing to the community and racial healing, they brought even more pain and a greater wedge. They did this. They did this. All for wanting information. So even if I was interrogating, so what? To get down to the truth that makes us free it's worth an interrogation. But it was a text question in a, in a group text. What, who was this? What's going on? Why did this happen? Let's figure it all out before we go out there. And they couldn't answer any of those questions. But they sure could call me a racist. They sure could point fingers at me. They could sure say derogatory things about me. But they couldn't figure it out. Isn't that interesting? They used their, inf- their, their brains, their, their, their abilities, their strength, their resources to come against me, but they couldn't use those same resources to get to the bottom of what really happened, why it happened, and how it happened. And now, somebody's life is ruined because of these, um, I'll just call it this, attention. Um, <laughs> trying to be nice here, ladies and gentlemen. People seeking attention got somebody fired. Oh, they got the attention, but they were destroyed a life. And now they're praising Jesus because instead of healing a life and helping a life, they destroyed a life. That's not what the church is all about. That's not what the clergy is to be about. That's not what pastoral positions are to be about. We're supposed to be about helping and healing and strengthening, not destroying. So ladies and gentlemen, it is a sad day in Lancaster, California. A sad day indeed. Thank you for choosing Table Flippers Podcast. To find our merchandise page, go to gwcclancaster.org. Then find the Table Flippers link, click on it, and it'll take you right there. Until next time, have a fantastic day. Say goodbye, Chippy. Goodbye!